What's going on, everybody? What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Practical Preacher Podcast. Once again, I want to welcome you to the Practical Preacher Podcast. And I am your host, none other than LeVar B. Young. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Listen, thank you so much for tuning in. I want to first start off by saying um, thank you to everyone that is taking the time to um, listen to this. I want to um, recognize those that are listening to these streams on um, Amazon Music, on Stitcher, on Radio Public, on Google Podcasts and Spotify. Thank you so much for you all that are also taking the time to download um, many of these episodes. Thank you so much once again. Um, I see a lot of downloads coming from Amazon Music and Google uh, Podcasts, also from Stitcher, Radio Public, and Spotify. Thank you so much for taking the time. Also, thank you to those that may even be watching this and sharing this and downloading this on our visual side on Facebook Live at the Practical Preacher Podcast page. So thank you so much. We're so um, excited um, to be sharing this information uh, with you all here at the Practical Preacher. Yes, everyone knows him. I'm LeVar B. Young, who is also a pastor and a preacher, but this show is not a church service. Just want to share that with you. This show is not a church service. Um, it's a way to bring out a lot of the topics that sometimes are overlooked or not um, talked about in depth on um, some serious topics, things that affect our daily life, because I'm a strong believer that the Bible isn't just stories, but a practical guide for everyday living and that our everyday life is affected by so many things. And sometimes things are just glazed over or sometimes things are not talked about in depth. So this show, um, it is our, our desire, our hope, um, we, our goal to really try to start conversations and open up conversations about some very um, important topics that affect us on a daily basis, that affect our lives, our families, those who we love, those around us, those in, in the many different environments that we go in. It also, um, I like to give practical practical resources or practical um, tools that can be used to help with many of these things that we struggle with, that we deal with. So that's what a lot of this conversation is about, okay? That's what a lot of it is about. But listen, as usual, on tonight, we have a very interesting topic, um, something that is dear to me. I probably say that in a lot of the podcasts, but we have a very important topic. And I like tonight's topic um, to let you know I'm going to get into tonight. Tonight's topic, what we're dealing with on tonight, on, I keep on saying tonight, but in this podcast, I'm sorry. This podcast topic is love in marriage. I know everybody's heard of love and marriage, but we're talking about love in marriage, which brings the question, does love alone make a marriage work? This question comes up, does love alone make a marriage work? I admit, um, when I was on social media, I saw something that um, a friend of mine had posted and actually asked um, different opinions, asked people's opinions about it, said, what do you think about this thing? How do you feel about this thing? A question was asked concerning marriage, the importance of it, and it addressed love. And I'm going to share, I'm going to read um, what that what that post said. And this is what really started or prompted this conversation um, about love and about marriage, because so many people are confused when it comes to this, or I would say misinformed about love and marriage. Many people think as long as I'm in love, then, you know, it'll work. 
my love will get me through this. Now, I'm going to read this. I want to share this. What was said here is it says a post was shared from someone else and it says marriage does not need love. First of all, that, you know, that, that grabbed my attention when it when it said that right there. Marriage does not need love. That's what um, was the caption on this post. So then I said, you know, it intrigued me. I said, well, let me let me read a little further. Let me see what they're saying, what they're talking about. And as I begin to read, it says, OK, marriage does not need love. It says a successful marriage has little to do with love. Love is not the qualification for marriage. It says love is a dangerous thing. Love can make you think you can make it. Every divorced person was first in love with the person they divorced. So don't tell me love keeps you together. Love does not guarantee success in marriage. Love brings happiness, but doesn't bring what it takes to make marriage work. The only thing that makes marriage work is knowledge. It says you feel like you love someone, but you better get knowledge on how to live with them. And we are such a feeling culture that our insanity takes us to the altar, making commitments we know we can't keep. Marriage is not protected by love. Marriage is protected by knowledge. And then they put that um, the late Dr. Miles Monroe, they put that this was um, a quote from him. Now, if I'm looking at this wrong, when I looked at it, it, it made it appear as if this entire quote is from him. But when I began to um, do a little research, began to look at a few things, I was trying to actually find this quote because, you know, I was just kind of bothered first by some of this, what it was saying when it was said marriage does not need love as if it doesn't need it at all. And, and I beg to differ. I believe love is important and is needed in marriage. But I understand some of the context of what was saying being said here. But my problem was when I began to really look at this thing and research this thing and I couldn't find this direct quote from Dr. from the late Dr. Miles Monroe. And what I did is when I started, um, I remember some other videos I've watched of him, some other teachings I've heard from him and some and looking at some other quotes that he has made. Um, what it appears to me, unless someone can prove me wrong, what it appears to me is that they took basically a synopsis from a lot of his different quotes and some of his videos, and they kind of meshed it together and put it out back out in their own words and then stated that he stated this just this way. Now, I could be wrong, but from my research so far, I haven't found this direct quote. So what it lets me know is the way that is laid out, if it wasn't directly quoted by him, the fact that it was laid out this way and meshed together a lot of his other uh, different quotes and teachings all put together, it takes away from some of the original context of what he is saying here, what he's trying to convey. And that's why we must also be careful. It's funny how and then they talked about knowledge. Knowledge is key. So we have to be careful in this statement that was put out. And um, the person that posted, I even made the same um, statement to them on their post. So I'm not talking behind anyone's back or anything. What I'm sharing in this podcast is what I shared directly with them as well. And I say, hey, you know, somebody show me exactly where he quoted this because this looks to be a misquote. It looks to take away from the context of what he was actually saying, what he was actually teaching, what he was trying to convey. Because I believe, first of all, that marriage is an institution ordained by God, um, um, honored by God put in place by God. And therefore, love is important. Love is, is, is part of it. So yes, I believe that love is important in marriage. But I also, the, ask, the ask, answer the question for tonight is, does love alone make a marriage work? 
I, in my own personal experience and personal opinion and professional opinion, I believe that love alone does not make a marriage work. Love alone does not make a marriage work. It does not make it successful. You know, um, to make a marriage work or to make a marriage successful, it it takes work. You have to work at it. And then this is the thing. How do you examine a successful marriage? What, what do you deem for it to work? Because in, in, in my years so far of um, doing premarital um, spiritual counseling, when people come to me and they say, you know, we want to get married, will you marry us? And I always uh, advise them and strongly push them towards getting going through um, outside professional relationship counseling and premarital counseling along with their spiritual counseling. But the thing that people always ask me is they ask me about this word love, because one of the first thing when people come to me and say, yes, we, we want to get married and, you know, we want you to marry us. And then I have to sit down. And I have to have these conversations with them. I have a whole questionnaire that me and my wife together put together. Um, that I ask them that I make them fill out and I talk to the couple together. I talk to the couple individually. But the thing that I ask them is this. I say, I ask each one of them, um, why do you want to marry this person? You know, I ask them that, why do you want to marry this person? And they always say, because I love them. And, and that's a natural response and that's an expected response. But what we have to understand is that it goes much further than that. It's deeper than that. It's a bigger understanding than that. People always tell me, I want to marry this person because I love them. And then so my next question to them, and it seems like I'm putting them on the spot. My next question, when somebody tell me I want to marry this person because I love them, I ask them, well, what do you love about them? You know, I want to know what do you love about them? And a lot of times this trips people up when you ask them, because a lot of people don't necessarily expect to be asked, what do you love about a person? They just expect if you ask me why I want to marry somebody and I say, because I love them, that should be enough. But to me, it is not enough because marriage takes more than that. You have to know, OK, what do you love about this person? Because nine times out of 10, check this out. When a person says, I love this person, it's something that they love about that person. Because being in love with somebody and, and loving certain things about someone is a difference. And also what it is, is there are different types of love. There are different levels to love. And what the problem is, it's not that we have a problem with loving. We have a problem with understanding the different areas of love. Now, I know there's some scholars out there that may hear this, come across this. And, and many people already know, scholar or not scholar, that the Greeks came up with some time ago about eight different um different types of love. You know, they came up with saying there are eight different types of love. You know, there's passionate love, there's enduring love, there's playful love, there's universal love, there's um, the love of a deep friendship, there's self-love, there's familiar love, and then there's obsessive love. These are different areas of love. Of course, there are Greek words to it. The passionate love is eros. Um, people have heard of, heard of those eros, um, pragma, I um, hope I'm pronouncing all these correctly. Um, ludos, which is the playful love. Agape, which, you know, we hear that word a lot in church. We hear that God um, has agape love, which means uh, translates to unconditional love. And but agape love is also known as universal love. Uh, we have the deep friendship love. 
as I stated. So, so we have all these different types of love. And what the thing is, what a lot of times when people are getting ready to get married, what they don't understand is they go into this thing with the misunderstanding that just their romantic love that they have is going to be enough, that that's enough of a reason to marry someone. That may be enough of a reason for the for marriage to form in your mind, but it is not enough. Um, it's not big enough. It's not great enough. It's not going to be enough to sustain that marriage, to make that marriage successful. It's not enough reason to marry somebody. And I know people say, well, it should be enough. But see, what you have to understand about that first area of love, that 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 romantic love. And this is where people make the mistake. The romantic love does not last all the time. This is why a lot of marriages struggle and suffer because they're going in with the hopes of this romantic love that we feel right now for each other, that it's going to last, that it's going to get stronger and stronger. And what happens is in reality, it doesn't. In reality, it it, it wears down. It wears thin. In reality, um, it changes, you know, because life happens. Because people change. This eros, what, what Greeks call it, which is passionate love. What, listen to this. It says eros is all about romance, about passion and attraction. It describes the intoxicating and thrilling emotion that the initial stages of relationships can induce. Relationships often begin with passion, including infatuation and attraction. And see, a lot of marriage therapists, they, they'll tell you this as, you know, that the, it starts with infatuations and attraction. As, as, as exciting as this is, because it's exciting, let's be honest, it is mostly a fusion element designed to draw people together. So that first love that we feel a lot of times when we first get with someone, that passionate love, that attraction that we have with them, that infatuation, that giddy feeling that we feel, you know, that feeling like, man, I just want to see them. I just want to hear their voice. I just want to spend time with them. All these things that comes up to draw us together, you know, and, and then then watch this. And then what happens a lot of times is when sex is introduced, that's what clouds the water, because sexual interest, lust or passion don't necessarily involve into lasting love. It doesn't evolve into lasting, compassionate love. You know, it, 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 it's really based on that on that first that attraction. That thing that we had, that romantic love. And you better know that that thing wears off so this is a tip when it comes to that is that you have to enjoy it's important that, that you enjoy one another's company and the attraction that you feel for each other but while it is fresh and new enjoy it while it's fresh and new because what happens is over time this type of love will often transition into other types of love it, it'll transition into other types of love if you allow it to if you build it to that or it simply fades away. The problem with a lot of marriages that where we suffer in marriages is, is that we don't understand that that passionate romantic love in the beginning, that it when it be, as it begins to fade, we can't let it just fade away and go away forever. What we have to do is allow for it to nourish and grow into other types of love that's going to help the marriage. Because what it is, is when we're not properly educated about love, when we think that romantic love is enough, that that's enough for the successful marriage and don't understand that how hard that we have to work, work for it. 
is then it fades away. And then what happens when it fades away? Everyone say, well, let's try to rekindle our love. Let's try to rekindle that. And everyone tries to go back and, and, and relive or reestablish that first initial feeling. And it's very hard to establish that first initial feeling. And I must be honest, a lot of times you're not going to get back that first initial feeling. You're not that, that you know, you're not going to, as they would say with drugs, that that initial high, you're not going to get that. And a lot of people get frustrated because they say, well, love, we just falling out of love. You know, we're falling out of love and it's fading away and we don't know how to get back to that place. It's not trying to get back to the initial thing in the beginning, that initial attraction. What you have to do is establish. Let us just get back to love, period. And that there are different levels and different types of love. So this is why I always ask couples when they come to me and say, yeah, when you, will you marry us? And I ask them, well, why do you want to marry this person? And they say, oh, because I love them. I say, what do you love about them? Because, you know, a lot of times what you will find out, what I'm trying to do is not trying to make the person feel bad, but I'm trying to start the conversation. I want them to hear themselves. I want the other person to hear themselves, especially when I do the one-on-one, when I do the one-on-one, um, counseling session and I ask that person and, and they, they begin to talk and I, and I want them to hear what they're saying. And I want to hear what they're saying. They say, man, I just love, you know, I love the way they look. I love this about them. I love that about them. And what I begin to understand, um, explain to them is that many of the things that we love about a person, when we initially start that relationship, when it's that passionate love, when it's that romantic love, when it's that attraction, um, many times those things are going to change over time. The way a person look, you love how they look, that changes. Uh, some of the things that they do, that changes because life happens. Circumstances happen. Life changes us. So what happens is a lot of people struggle in this part of their relationship because when the things, when the physical, when your physical appearance change and when the things that I love about you change, the things that you do for me, when those things change, now I feel as if love is gone. We're no longer in love. Because because you're basing everything off that initial romantic love, off that initial attraction. But see, in a marriage, what happens in a marriage is as time go on, you have to grow to understand one another, to love one another in other areas and other means. It has to be more than just romantic. Yes, romantic is important, but you can't put you can't base the success of the entire marriage just off of romantic love because it won't last. It won't last. You have to have other loves in place because I hear people all the time. that say, you know, you know, I love this person, but I'm not in love with them. You know, people say that all the time because of that area, that attraction is they think is gone. It's not so much that the attraction is gone. It's just the particular things that you were attracted to are possibly gone. But over time, what you're supposed to be doing is developing other things that you're attracted to that person. In a marriage, you just can't base everything off of, I just love the way my spouse look. I just love the way my spouse cook. I just love this about my spouse. I just love that. I just love the sex. Because things change. Things happen. And if those circumstances, those situations, those things change, but that person is still there, can you love that person outside of the just the particular things that you love about that person? Loving things about a person is not really loving the person. I'll say it again. Loving things about a person is not really genuinely, genuinely loving that person. 
So, so what, what do we do when romantic love is trouble? When you say it seems like that romantic love is gone, we must develop into other areas of love because every area of love is needed in a marriage, not just the romantic love, but the next thing you need, you need what they call enduring love, enduring love, enduring love. Listen to this is sometimes translated to practical love. It's referring, uh, is referencing the kind of love grounded in duty, commitment, and practicality. A lot of marriages suffer because there is no practical love there. See, practical love um, keeps us grounded in duty and commitment and practicality. Yes, you want someone to be romantically in love with you. You want them to be attracted to you. You want the romance. You want the attraction. You want all that. But is there any enduring love? Is there is there do they feel a sense of duty, a sense of commitment? Because some people will be in this area. Once the romantic love is gone, they feel like, OK, the commitment is gone. The duty, the duty to be kind to you, the duty to be nice to you, the duty to do nice things for you. I, I don't I don't feel obligated to do those things because the romance is gone. And this is why a lot of marriages suffer because they say the romance is gone. So therefore I don't feel obligated. I don't feel as if I should still be nice to you in these areas because the romance is gone because we're not doing this. We're not doing that. But see, when you, when the when you allow for romantic love to also grow into practical love and to enduring love, that enduring love says that I have a duty to you. I feel committed to you. While this might apply well to the type of love that blossoms in our arranged marriage, listen, to this. this is also the love you see in long standing relationships. When you see fine people that are married for years, I mean, they have some years on the belt, double digits, 20 plus years, 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, 50 years. Um, not saying that there is no romantic love there. But they have a sense of commitment to one another. They have a sense of duty to one another. Uh, uh, it is blossomed. They understand the importance of the unity of their marriage. Because let me say this, a marriage is more than just about romance because a marriage takes not only love, but a marriage takes commitment. It takes sacrifice. Watch this. See, a lot of times what they won't tell you a lot of times, a marriage is also going to require for you to be long suffering. It's going to require for you to bear some pains. Yeah. Yeah, because you're, you're going to go through some things. There are going to be some troubles. There are going to be some things that get on your nerves. There are going to be some things that you don't like. It's going to be some things that you don't understand. But that's when you have to that's when you have to get to the point to know that. See, romantic love is not going to help you in those times of when stuff getting on your nerves. When your spouse do something you don't like, when they do something you don't understand, it just makes absolutely no sense. Romantic love can't bear those things. So as long, so it has to be, it has to be some enduring love, a love that's longstanding, a love that says I'm committed to this person. I feel I, it's the duty to this person. And we do practical things in our marriage that makes sense for us, that works for us. So when you see an old couple that's been together for decades and decades, they are, they are a couple who have found a way to make it work over time. This is what I want to tell some people, too. Sometimes people stop expecting when you first go into a marriage to have everything right away. It takes time. 
It takes time. You can't look at a person that's been married 50 years and expect to have what they have. And you just got married or you just a few years in you've just five years in you. Maybe you got 10 years in. It took time for them to establish what they had. It took time for them to get to the place where they are. It took time for them to learn other areas of people's life. And this is the mistake that a lot of times people make. People say people. I know that there's a hardship when people rush into marriage. And, and that makes a marriage that brings trouble to a marriage. But then also you have people that sometimes foolishly think because I've been with this person a long time, I've been around this person a long time, then I know them. And so our marriage is just going to blossom. It's just going to work. No marriage brings a different understanding. Marriage brings a level of commitment, a level of sacrifice that does not come in just dating. That does not come even when you engage. But see, the problem is a lot of people don't have those conversations when they're dating. They don't have them conversations when they're in the gate engagements. They wait until they're married and then want to try to have those conversations and then try to have those expectations. You know, you can't wait till you get married to have the important conversations to try to learn the person to try to begin to open up to understand that, OK, I need more than just the romance. So, so it takes a, a couple that you've seen the season that's been married for a long time. It takes them time. I would advise people that, that are getting ready to get married. You're thinking about getting married, or maybe you just early on in your marriage, you just got a few years under your belt, or maybe you just got a few months. What it, however much time you have, you at that place where you're, where you're struggling, you're butting heads. You feel like the romance is gone. You need to find you some people that season in marriage. Not just in years, not just in years, but you can look at a reflection of their life and their marriage. You you listen to them and you understand that they talk stuff that makes sense. They live a life that makes sense. They do things that make sense to you. You can relate to those things. They can tell you some things that they've been through, how they got past some things, how they got over some things. Talk to some of those people. And get some wisdom and some knowledge and also get some encouragement because you will know that you're not in it by yourself, that they went through hardship, too, that it wasn't easy for them. So so this this um, as we talk about this enduring love, what we have to understand is it requires a commitment to each other and might be thought of as um, a conscious choice or perhaps as a type of love that takes years to develop through bonding and shared experiences. Mm -hmm. See, watch this. The brain responds, as I'm reading and I'm studying some stuff, it says the brain responds to a cherished long-term partner that looks like commitment, caring, and nurturing. See, as when these couples that we see that's been married for years, what they've understood, understand that once they've gotten past just the romantic part, they understand that I need somebody that's just not romantically involved with me, romantically love me. I need somebody that's committed. I need somebody that's caring and I need someone that's nurturing. A lot of time nurturing don't always have um, anything to do with romance. Mm hmm. See, many times, many romantic relationships involves a mixture of these these things together. And see, and that's what we have to understand that for a successful marriage, for a, a, a marriage to work, it takes a mixture of all the different loves combined. Now, they're not always going to be working um, strongly all the time, 
but they have to be in there at some point. And let me let me drop this to some people to encourage you. You're not always going to be romantically in love all the time. That's I'm sorry. That that's unrealistic. Thinking that you're just going to be head over the heels for one another every single day. Look, there's going to be some times you're going to wake up and you're like, look, they're getting on my nerves. I want I don't even really want to talk to them today. I'm upset about some argument we had or whatever. But what happens is that may affect your romantic love. But if you have that enduring love, what you would say is I might not be might not want to be bothered with you in this moment, in this time. But because of my commitment to you, because of my my um, enduring love for you, because of my caring for you, because of my nurturing, all these things and vice versa, because you have it for me, even though I might not want to talk to you in this moment, that doesn't mean I don't want you in my life. I I'm going to talk to you later. I plan to talk to you later. Let me get over myself. Let me get over this thing that's bothering me. Let me get to a place where we can talk about it. Let me get to a place where we can get past this. Mm -hmm. The initial rush of attraction, because we, a lot of times people base, you know, that thing that they feel is based off a strong rush of attraction. And when you, you know, that attraction, when you first meet somebody, you know, you first meet somebody, you start, you know, that excitement is there, start liking certain things about them and everything, you know, you know, that, that thing that we get, you know, that feeling, that thought process. A lot of times this lead people to feel that, you know, that this is enough. And then what happens is. If you tell yourself that that is enough, the minute that it disappears or the minute that it's not as strong as it used to be, what happens is then the person thinks that this person doesn't love me anymore. I don't love them anymore. See, the counter to this, that's what happens when you base everything off of romantic love. Then people think the minute that the romance is over, then the love is over. Mm hmm. In part, they don't understand that they must work together to communicate honestly, to recognize the deeper feelings of connection and compassionate love. Let's examine another love, another area of love. So we talked about romantic love. We talked about enduring love. Both of these are necessary, I believe, in a marriage. Also, there's something called playful love. I think it's I think in the Greek it's called ludus, L-U-D-U-S. Playful love. You say, what is playful love? Check this out. As I was reading this and studying this, it says that playful love is very flirtatious and fun. Without strings being attached, without the strings that come with romantic or enduring or enduring love, it can be seen in the very early stages of relationships when two people are flirting, they're courting each other, they're crushing on each other. It often involves laughing, teasing, feeling giddy around a person. It's very childlike in some type of way, though it can certainly evolve. But watch this. What happens is a lot of times some people have what we call that playful love. And what they're driven by and what they're enticed by is the flirtation, that fun, 
the fact that it's, you know, it's no strings attached. It's no commitment. You know, you've heard people say this. Oh, it's just, you know, it's no strings attached. It's no commitment. We just having fun. We're going out. We're having a good time. We're laughing. Oh, they, they make me laugh all the time. They make me smile all the time, you know. But what it is, is some people are can become addicted to just the flirting aspect of it. That cat and mouse game, you know, how far are we going to take it? Maybe we maybe it will turn into some. Maybe it won't. Some people are infatuated with that. They love that aspect of it. I like the flirting. I like the fun. I like the fact that we is no string attached. I like the fact that we have this this crush. It's almost playful like, you know, it's uh, it can become become intoxicating. It seems fresh. Yeah, that's the word a lot of people use. It seems it seems like it's always fresh. It's never stale because there there is no co real commitment made there. Because remember that all your crushes watch this. But what happens is even though people know that and people are excited by that, that aspect of it, then they will foolishly think because it always feel fresh. It always feel new. It always feel exciting. We always laugh. We don't do nothing but have fun. You know, then they, they think that it means more than what it is that something something great has been established i really like this what it is is uh, i'm i'm enticed and i'm addicted to that feeling that i have that where it seems fresh it always seems new i've been waiting for this i've been wanting this and then what they do is then they try to morph that into a relationship people have rushed to the altar just off of a playful love mhm mm and then wonder why it doesn't work. But see, because what you have to remember is that a lot of times people have crushes on people. But all your crushes don't need to get serious. Or pan out into a full blown relationship. It's amazing. You can ask some people that say, oh, we were just doing this for fun. You know, we just having a, we just having fun. We just having a good time and then end up in a marriage that's not fun. And then that's what they say when they then when they come for for counseling um, afterwards or right before they at court or when they get in the court. It's just not fun anymore. We used to do this and we used to do that. We used to have all this fun. It's not fun. Is it that you turn try to make a marriage out of a playful love? Hmm. Sometimes there's great joy and pleasure in just enjoying the flirtation. And that thing of will we or won't we gain? But if it's a game, don't try to build a marriage out of a game because a marriage isn't a game. It's something not to be taken lightly. It's very serious. So now we examine, we examine so far the romantic love. Talked about the romantic love, one, the enduring love, two, and then the playful love, three. What else do we have? What other type of love? Agape love. Or as some would say, universal love. Now, on the spiritual side, when we say agape love, we always translate that to the love that God has for us. Because we say it's unconditional. What that means is that that when a person loves you, that's not based on conditions. And what happens is a lot of times, not only just in marriages, but in, in, in relationships, friendships, sometimes people love for you is conditional. And that's a very dangerous place to be. That's a very dangerous place um, thing to depend on when people love you based on conditions. Sometimes people love people based on what they do for them, 
what they can do for them, how they look, who they're connected to, the things that they're doing in their life. Oh, that person is doing great things in their life. They're doing big things. You know, they're doing this. They know these people. They have these connections and people will grab a hold to you and they will love that. And you have some people that have married people out of status. Out of look, they have money, they have status, they have fame, they have connections, you know, they do all of this. It's conditional because the minute that some of those conditions change, the money goes away, the connections go away, you know, the position of power, all these things. The minute that some of those things go away, they fade away for whatever reason. Now the love is gone. Because of what you find out is that they didn't really love that person, they love things about that person. And this is one thing that I, I can remember I always had a trouble with, even when early on, you know, when dating early on, I'm talking about teenage, early 20s, early on. I'm like, do you even let's not even use the word love. Let's even say the word like I would say, do you really like me for me or do you just like me for what I can do? Do you just like things about me? You're infatuated with things about me, things that I can do. Now, there's nothing wrong with being excited about certain things about a person, what they can do. But have you taken the time to actually learn who that person is outside of a gift they have, outside of a talent that they have? You know, agape love, which is universal love, unconditional love, agape love, the love is selfless, selfless love. Like the kind you might associate with the Lord. We associate that with God. It's selfless love. It's not, it's not based on conditions because you know God loves us in spite of. It's not a church service, but the word says that while we were yet in sin, Christ died for us. Why? Because the love that God has for us. Mm -hmm. Watch this. This love is compassionate love for everyone. It's compassionate. It's caring. It's the love you feel for a person without things attached, without conditions. That you give it knowingly without expectations for anything in return. I'll say that again. See, agape love is love that you give in spite of. It's love that you give without expecting something in return. Without having expectations. All right, I'm going to love them. If I love them, if I do this for them, then they'll bless me with this. They'll give me this. In a marriage, you're going to need some agape love. You're going to need to develop some love to say, look, I love my spouse in spite of what they do for me. I love them in spite of I'm going to extend some love, some grace to them, some compassion to them without any expectations of getting any in return. Because this is something that I freely give. You freely give it. Mm -hmm. It's very pure. It's a very pure love. Conscious love. It's what, once again, we refer to as unconditional love. It's, it's no strings attached. It's not based on conditions. And the problem is a lot of people love based on conditions. I love people. You know, I love people for what they can do for me. That's not really loving them there. Mm -hmm. So we have to practice with agape love. You have to practice a loving kindness that says, I'm going to love this person 
and not look for anything in return. I give to this person, not looking for them to even give back to me. I give to them because I see them in need. I can meet that need. And because of my love for them, because I care enough about them, because I'm understanding for them, because I don't want to see this person hurting. Even if it's a self-inflicted hurt. I don't want to see you um, struggling. One time, one time I even shared with my own wife, I said, you know, some, I said, one thing you got to understand about me, I said, you know, even if I'm upset with you, we could have just had an argument about something, not seeing eye to eye on something. I said, because of my love for you, I love you enough that even if I'm upset with you, I'm not going to stand somewhere or sit somewhere and watch you struggle at something that I can help you with. I'm not going to watch you struggle. I'm going to step in and help you, even if I'm upset with you. See, that type of love, that's not romantic love. That's not that's not romantic love. That's not playful love. Mm -hmm. That's what what you would call. That's what you would call that unconditional love. Because I love you in spite of. And that's what the Lord does for us. He loves us in spite of ourselves, in spite of what we've done. And you need this type of love in a marriage because there are things, once again, that's going to happen that's going to make you mad. There's things that's going to upset you. But you're going to have to say, I love my spouse enough that, you know what, I don't even want to see my spouse struggle. Even if I'm upset with them, I don't want to see them in a bad place. I don't want to see them make a bad decision. I don't want to see them in a place where they need help. They're struggling with something and, and I won't even come help them. I'm mad and I see you trying to struggle to carry something and I won't come help you. You, you, you need help. And, and I hold the, I hold the argument against you, I hold the fight against you. But see, it takes, it takes maturity to develop into something like that. It takes time to do that. Doesn't come overnight. I'll admit it doesn't come overnight. You have to make a conscious decision and a determination that I'm going to, I'm going to purposely institute that type of love. I'm going to practice that type of love. I'm going to be intentional. See, that's the thing too. Love is intentional. It doesn't have to be hard, but it has to be intentional. It doesn't always have to be hard, but it always has to be intentional. I do this on purpose. I extend this love on purpose. It becomes a behavior. It becomes a thought process. It becomes part of my characteristics. Mm -hmm. So talking about that, that, that universal love, that agape love. Okay, next one. Moving on, moving on. Next one is you also have a love, what they call um, a deep friendship love. Translate, I think it's in the Greek is philia. I believe I'm pronouncing that correctly. Forgive me if I'm not. P-H-I-L-I-A. P-H-I-L-I-A, which is a deep friendship. Now, you know, we've heard this argument from time to time. Um Married couples do have to be friends. There has to be a level of friendship. Actually, there should be a level of friendship even before you go to the altar because you're going to have to be friends. You know, now I know some people are like, oh, my married couple, my, my husband is my best friend. My wife is my best. Friend. You know, I know people say that and that's unrealistic to, for some people and some people can't believe it. And even if you say that, that doesn't mean that you don't have, you know, outside friends or that doesn't mean that the other best friends you had in your life don't exist anymore at that point. But there has to be a level of friendship and deep friendship. See, deep friendship, failure 
is the love that develops over a deep, long lasting friendship. So this is something that grows as the marriage goes on, as that relationship grows on, because it's a deep, long lasting friendship. The thing about a deep friendship, though, is platonic, which means there's no, no romance involved in there. But nevertheless, although it's platonic, you feel very close to those you have this type of love towards and can confide in them. You can trust them and respect them on a very personal level. Now, sometimes this area of love also leads people into trouble because while yet yeah, it's important to be in a marriage because in a marriage, you should be able to trust the person you're married to. You should be you should be able to respect them on a very personal level. You should be able to confide in them. Let me tell you this, married couples, a husband and wife should, should be able to confide in one another. They should be able to bear their heart and their soul to one another without um, there be a fear of this is going to go back to somebody I don't want it to go to or it's going to be made public. So in a marriage, they should be able to confide in each other. They should be able to trust each other. They should be able to respect each other on a very personal level. Mm hmm. But what happens outside of marriage, because sometimes you have these deep friendships. Everyone has that one, that friend that they like, look, this friend, I could tell them anything. I could trust them with stuff on a personal level. Everybody has that. Sometimes it's of the same sex. Sometimes it's not. You know, everybody say, I just I had this friend that I just I feel like I could tell them everything. And over the time I have talked to, told them everything. But watch this. Those type of friendships can be just as impactful as a romantic relationship. This is where the lines get blurred sometimes because they can be just as impactful as a romantic relationship. People may be surprised by the depth of pain and loss related to a longstanding friendship. Mm -hmm. Often the loss of a breakup of those longstanding friendships is just as painful as, and challenging as the loss of a romantic friendship. What happens is a lot of times is some people that have this level, this deep friendship and that type of friendship with someone, especially if it's of the opposite sex, what happens is sometimes people, people, uh, I don't, I don't know what word I want to use here. Sometimes people um, look at that and unwisely, try to develop that into something romantic or make something romantic out of it because I have this long lasting friendship. I've known this person for this long, this many years. I feel like I could trust them. I respect them. I could confide in them on a personal level, vice versa. We have such this great thing. And then somebody turn around and try to make a romantic thing out of that, make it romantic. And it ends up tearing that long lasting friendship apart because every long lasting friendship is not meant to be a romantic one. Mm -hmm. So, so, so watch, watch this now understand. Now I see a comment came in and said, it sounds like you're saying love alone is enough to make a man, a marriage work. It's just, it's just that the different type of love alone is not enough. Well, um, thanks for sharing, sharing that. No, what I, what I'm saying here, I'm first, I'm breaking down the different types of love, the different types of love and see what a lot of times what people misunderstand is that with love. So we just base it off the, a lot of times when people say, Oh, I just love this person. That should be enough. Love is an action word. You know, love comes with actions. There's something that comes with love, not just to say, I, I, I do it because, like I said, once again, in a marriage, you need commitment. 
Don't get married if you have a problem with commitment, if you have a problem with long suffering, because there's going to be some time, there's going to be some pain involved. If, if you don't want to compromise, if you have a problem with respect, if you have a problem with being loyal, you know, because something else, something else. And I'm going to get to after I, after I finish breaking down the different aspects of love, I want to go into another part. So hold on to that. Hold on to that thought. Thank you so much for commenting. Um, watch this. So people sometimes take that deep friendship, turn it into something romantic when it shouldn't be. And that's why it don't work. Or sometimes within a marriage, people feel like it's a bad thing when in a marriage, when um, the people involved in that marriage, that wife and their husband, they feel like, oh, I just can't confide in them in, with nothing. I don't trust them on that level. There's there's not that level of respect. Mm -hmm. So after that, watch this. There's something else. So we talked about romantic love, one, which everyone's familiar with that. Everyone's familiar with one, romantic love. Then two, we talked about uh, enduring love. Three, we talked about playful love. Four, we talked about agape love, uh, which is unconditional love. Five, we talked about a deep friendship. Six, I want to talk about this, self-love. Self-love is needed in a marriage and self-love is not necessarily about the marriage, but it's about the individuals that are in the marriage. See, people, a lot of times you don't hear this talk. Self-love is not necessarily about so much about the marriage, but it's about the people that's involved in the marriage. Self-love is... um. It, it's it's a lot of times people look past this. I think in these past few years dealing with the dealing with the virus and, and the quarantine and everything, people have now understand they're now understanding more and more the importance of self-love, caring for yourself. Um, self-love is about self-compassion. It may seem obvious to some people, but it's not. It's about the relationship we have with ourselves. It's very important. And yes, it needs to be nurtured. Self-love means I take time to care for myself. It means I take time to build up myself. Each individual in the marriage um, needs to do this. What happens is a lot of marriages, people make the mistake of thinking that the marriage is supposed to be the solver of all things that the marriage is supposed to fill every void that's in your life and it's not and then they get upset and get mad we become upset and mad when we feel like my marriage isn't fulfilling this void when the marriage is not designed to fill all those voids that's why self-love is important that's why it's important to take time to understand some things about yourself of what you need that the marriage can't is not necessarily designed to provide Mm -hmm. It's very important. Yes, it needs to be nurtured. It's important for our own confidence and for our own self-esteem. You cannot expect for the marriage to build up your own self-esteem if you don't have any self-esteem to start with. It will also influence how we interact with the world and with others, how we interact with our spouse. If we don't love ourselves, how can we love somebody else? More love of self equals more love to offer. The reason why some people are struggling to give love in the marriage is because they haven't given no love for themselves. They don't give any compassion to themselves. Like my wife always says, which I love, she said, she says, give yourself a little grace. You're giving everybody else grace. You're giving, you're under, giving everybody else understanding, compassion for everybody else. What about yourself? 
Give yourself some grace. Understand that you're human, that you can mess up, that you can make some mistakes. Understand that you need to be forgiven. Understand that you need to forgive yourself. First, understand that you need to love yourself. Understand that you need to pour into yourself. Understand that sometimes you need to spend some quality time just getting to know more about yourself. Spend some time with you. You need to do some things that 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 make you happy that does not damage the marriage. I say that again because I got to put that little disclaimer on in. Do things that make you happy that does not damage the marriage. Because this is a very key statement that you have to understand. You can't pour from an empty cup. And this is what happens in a lot of marriage, trying to pour into that marriage, trying to make the marriage work, trying to, to, you know, trying to get an understanding and you empty yourself. You cannot pour from an empty cup. Sometimes you have to pamper yourself with your favorite self-care activities. You know, this is why I tell people, you know, tell women, go get your nails done. You like doing that. Get your hair done. You know, spend some time with yourself. Take yourself to lunch. And this goes for men and women. Take yourself to lunch. You know, sit down, read a good book that you like. Watch a good movie that you like. Go for a walk. You know, just be safe. Do these things. Create self-love rituals, something that you uh, routinely do. Literally anything you can give to yourself that makes you feel good, do it. it says anything that you can that that's something that I'm reading um from an article. Um, well, I won't touch on completely that because you have to be really careful with that. That's a thin line with that. Later, I'll do another show. I have to um give you some examples of how to you know, some more practical ways of how to practice self-love. So we talked about those love. Let me go into I got two more. And then I want to go into some other aspects of what a marriage needs. Um, familiar love. You know, familiar love is a strong love shared between family members and sometimes close family friends or friends from childhood. It differs from filial in the way that it reinforces it's reinforced by blood, early memories and and things that you're familiar with. There's a reason people say friends are the family you choose. You don't choose your family and whether they actually like like your family members or not, many people often do love them instinctively. Strong, that strong love, familiar love is compassionate, protective, and deeply rooted in memory. This is why sometimes, you know what, in love, in, in a marriage, married couples have to understand that it's amazing that, that that love, a lot of times that parents have for their kids, that once again, which is unconditional, it's compassionate, it's protective, I'm very protective. Married couples have to understand how to protect one another. You should be protective of each other, not just physical, because, you know, you have some men to say, man, I will, man, I'll knock somebody head off. I will protect my wife and blah, blah. And you have some women say, I'll knock somebody head off. I will protect my husband, not just physical, but you have to be able to um, protect each other spiritually, mentally. You have to be concerned about someone's mental health. Their spiritual health, their emotional health. I have to safeguard. And how I safeguard is I have to even watch what I do and what I say to make sure that I'm not hurting you in that area. Sometimes it's amazing how we're so ready to fight the outside people on the outside that it seems like may be hurting our spouse or hurting the marriage. But we're unwilling to deal with the one on the inside ourselves that's hurting the spouse or hurting the marriage. Mm -hmm. And last love I want to bring out, I want to bring out is there's a love called mania, the eighth love mania, M-A-N-I-A. I believe I'm pronouncing that correctly in the Greek. 
which means obsessive love. Now, this is the only love that I say is very dangerous and is very toxic because many times when you look at that type of love, uh, mania love, sometimes um, people might argue that this isn't really love. Some people argue. I know when you studied in the Greek, they said that um, this word for many means obsessive love and that mania, that mania or obsessive love is described as toxic, as a toxic relationship or a codependent relationship. This is what happens in a lot in some marriages is that when a person get married because of a codependent need, that is very unhealthy and very toxic to that marriage. Because what happens is what it means is that um, this person usually there's an imbalance of affection causing one person to become overly attached. It can be hard to come back from mania, but if you can, there will be a need to be to have a healthier balance. Some people are so codependent. I'm with this person, not just because, you know, I love them. I feel this such pull and, and thing of love because um, I'm, I'm dependent on them. I'm codependent. I need this from them. I need that from them. And so many people are in relationships and marriages because they feel it's out of necessity. I need them, not just want them. It's great to feel needed. But it's even better to feel to be wanted. It's great to feel needed, to be needed, but it's, it's, it's even greater to be wanted. So that's a dangerous place. So now back to the initial question, because I know um, as as it was stated that it may seem as if I'm saying that love is enough. To make a marriage work, because that was the question, because the topic is talking about love and marriage. So the question is, does love alone make a marriage work? No, love alone doesn't make a marriage work. Is it important? Yes, it's important. The reason why I brought out the importance of it is because I shared with you all at the top of the podcast. I shared with you a statement that was put out that was saying that love wasn't needed. So I'm trying to show that, yes, love is needed and is important, but it is not the only thing. Because what you have to understand about a marriage, not only is it a romantic thing, not only is it a commitment, but it is a business relationship as well. See, people will sometimes overlook the, the, the part of that it's a business relationship. Think about a corporation. Think about this. The marriage itself functions as an institution. So the institution itself, the marriage itself serves as an entity. The husband and the wife make up this business, make up this corporation, make up this entity. But marriage itself is a business. And, and when people don't understand that there's a business um, side to it, you know, that's what sometimes trouble trouble comes in. You know, oh, we just love each other. That's going to be enough. Do either one of you all have a sense of, or understanding of how to take care of things that is important? Do you either one of you all understand what it is to pay bills, what it is to budget? what it is to save. See, a lot of times marriages run into this. I thought we just love each other and we can, and, and we can make it work. But then when it's time to pay them bills, when it's time to set up a budget, when it's time to save, when it's time to be balanced in relationship, when it's time to do all these things, people say, well, wait a minute. I wasn't expecting all of this. I wasn't expecting all of this. I, I, I didn't know. I didn't know that there was a business side to it. I didn't understand that that just like CEOs and CFOs and CEOs, how they protect that corporation that they're the head of. I didn't understand that that the husband and wife as being the head of this institution, this corporation, this business, that we have to protect the marriage itself, that we have to safeguard it. 
that we have to do work. So not only are you going to have to love, you're going to have to work. You And then you're going to have to be committed. Marriage takes commitment, not just being committed to that person, but being committed to making the marriage work. Because, see, this is the thing. You can love somebody and you can say, well, look, I, I love them and I'm committed to love. But are you committed to the actual marriage itself, making it work? Because that's a daily thing. You have to get up every day with a mindset of saying that, you know, I'm determined to do something to make the marriage work, not to just let it fall. I, and then which means that I have to be on the lookout. I have to be on the lookout. I have to be aware of things that are coming in that's toxic. I have to be aware of things that's coming in that's wearing it down, wearing me down, wearing them down, wearing the marriage itself down. I have to be aware of things that don't work well for us. I have to be aware of, of looking for things that will help us. And see, and this is the work that a lot of times people don't want to do. People go enter into marriage just thinking it's going to be a breeze because we love each other. Watch this. Not if you don't understand. Because this is my next point, which is what, what I believe Dr. Uh, Miles Monroe, the late Dr. Miles Monroe, always tried to give an understanding of. And that's why I think that that um, that reading that I read earlier, I think people were misquoting him. Um, he always tried to explain that marriage takes understanding because you can love. But if you don't understand really the essence of what love is, the different types of love, and if you don't understand how to apply that love, you're going to be in trouble understanding is needed in marriage love understanding knowledge wisdom all these things are needed in marriage because you have to understand how do i love this person first of all do i really understand how to love myself a lot of people don't have enough understanding about themselves and then yet get into marriage and try now i got to try to have understanding for somebody else when i don't really truly understand myself marriage takes understanding Marriage takes, watch this, marriage takes a willing attitude to learn. You have to be willing to learn. If you're not willing to learn, that marriage is not going to work. And willing to learn, not just from the ones that you think you can learn from, you have to be willing to learn something new every day. And it doesn't matter who it comes from. It's amazing when I begin to open my eyes. I'm not completely there, but when I begin to open my eyes at just daily people and things that I can learn things from, when I take the blinders off, when I take that stigma off of going, you know, this person can't teach, teach me nothing. Anybody could teach anybody anything, even if they just teach you what not to do. That's still teaching you something. But are you willing? Are you open to learning? Are you open to be taught? Are you willing to learn something new about your spouse? Are you learning? Are, are you willing? Because see, watch this. Some people are willing to teach, but they're not willing to learn. And this is why some marriages struggle, too. I'm willing, you know, I, I think I know it all. So I'm willing to, to be the teacher, but I'm not willing to be the student. I, I, somebody probably need to write that down. What a marriage takes is not just willing to be a teacher, but willing to be a student. Because a lot of people, a lot of people are all for being a teacher, but when they have to sit down and be the student, that's when conflict comes. We have to listen more than we talk. I had to learn this, still working on it a lot of times. I have to be willing to listen more than I talk. Mm-hmm. Have to. 
Yeah, I, I see you come and said marriage. Yes, marriage is a business. Partners in life. Which which also brings me to watch this to, to learning, being taught a lot of married, married, uh, married couples, excuse me, can probably benefit. And this is probably something that I want to even start looking into, can probably benefit from not only taking courses about marriage, take courses about business. Take a look at how some companies are being ran. And how some of these, you know, you know, some of these some of these corporations, some of these businesses. So look at how some of them are being ran. Look at what that focus is, what they do, how they sacrifice because they sacrifice for the overall thing. That company, this company got to stand, this brand got to stand, this name. Sometimes I watch some of these TV shows and it'd be amazing. Some of these, you know, law shows that you watch, some of these police drama shows that you watch, the, the extent that sometimes these people go through to protect the name and the brand of that company. How much are we willing to do to protect the name and the brand of our marriage? Are you willing to fight for the brand? Are you willing to fight for the name? That's where that commitment comes in. So love isn't enough. You got to have commitment. You have to be willing to be a teacher as I mean, to be a student as well as a teacher. You have to listen more than you talk. Have to look to learn. Have to look to grow. Mm -hmm. Have to sit down and make plans. Have to make plans, realistic plans, though. Based on what you've learned about each other, what you're growing into. Look to grow. Self-evaluate. Look to grow. There's a there's a book out called um old book called um love languages, you know, where you learn each other's love language. When I um when I first um came upon that, you know, my wife was telling me about it. And when we first, you know, I think she maybe she had done it before, but my first time I know sitting down going through it just some years ago, going through it, you know, it didn't really open my eyes to some things and it amazed me to understand that we all love in a particular way. We show love in a particular way and we receive love in a particular way. And watch this. Sometimes the way we show love and receive love are two different things. And so that's where the breakdown of communication comes, because when the two individuals involved in the marriage, when the wife and the husband don't understand, first of all, how they communicate love, how they give love, how they receive love. And then they don't understand how their spouse gives love or receives love. And then so you have two individuals going, I'm loving all I can. I'm doing all I'm doing all I can. And it's not working. So it's no good. It's not working. There is no love then. You know, so we have to understand these things. So is love uh, uh, love enough? No, because to be perfectly honest, many of us don't even understand how to properly apply love. Application is key. The Bible talks about. The Bible ha has has a scripture where it says, study to show thyself approved, a workman that needeth not be ashamed of gospel, rightly dividing the word of truth. What that means, what it's saying is you have to know, not just have the knowledge, but do you know how, where to apply this knowledge? Do you know how it works? D make it make sense. Do you, do you really understand? And many of us, a lot of times we have a misunderstanding of how to take the information that we know and how to apply it to the situation. So marriages need understanding. 
of how to apply what you know to the marriage. Because you can know how to do all, you can know all the information, have all the information, but if you don't know how to rightly, what goes first? What piece goes first? How do I start? Does this help? Understanding. Compassion. And this is this is where the, the struggle happens. So once again, I stand behind saying that that love alone doesn't make the make the marriage successful. Because, you know, a lot of times we don't understand that there are different types of love. Or maybe maybe what I should have said is one type of romantic love alone definitely is not going to get it. There has to be a mixture of romantic love. Watch this. There has to be a mixture. And, and sometimes you have to exercise one or two of them at the same time. But all of them are not going to constantly be in, as they say, rotation or being used all the time. There has to be romantic love, which is that passionate love. There has to be enduring love. That has to be presence. There has to be playful, a little bit of playful love. There has to be definitely the agape love, which is unconditional love. There have to be deep friendship type of love, feel you in there. There has to, there have to be self-love in there. There have to be self-love, have to be a familiar love. The only love that, that I, I'm still questioning about that, that obsessive love, you know, because, you know, you've heard people say I'm crazy in love. Some people highlight the word crazy and maybe it's wrong for me to use that, that word. But I mean, though, all the other ones that I named besides that one they have to be present because what you have to say is in my spouse not only not only is this what i say not only is this my wife this is my family understand it started in a, in a romantic thing and friendship thing but still this is my family so a wife have to look at her husband and say this is my family a husband have to look at his wife and say this is my family it's not just my spouse it's my family Also, a marriage takes, you have to have a will. You have to want to work together. You have to want to work together. And what you have to do over time, you have to understand how to work together. See, the first, the first step is I want to work with my spouse to make the marriage successful. But then you have to now say, okay, if we agree that we want to work together, now we have to understand how to work together. Because when you look at a, when you look at um, I can recall a company that I worked at some years ago and it was two main partners um, at this at this company that kind of founded it. And then, you know, got bought out by a corporation and they had both of them as managing directors. And what I noticed is that each one of these two individuals had a different skill set. Both of them had something that they were great at and both of them had something that they were not as great at that that. They, they were not so great at. But see, what they did is both of them, they highlighted their strengths. And then what one would do, I'm going to use my strength in this area to help you in the area where you're not as strong and vice versa. The other say, I'm going to use my strength in this area to help where in areas that you're not that strong. So what both of them did is it's, it's, it's amazing how it kind of seemed like they kind of picked the lane. They did what both of them were so great at and they, and they made the thing work and it, and it worked and it lasted for a long period of time. Now this is, this is what I'm talking about on a, 
on a corporation side, on a business side, you know. Sometimes, well, many times in the marriage, the problem is, you know, people don't take time to understand that. That husband have to understand what is he strong in. That wife have to understand what is she strong in. So we both we both are going to operate in what we're strong in, but we're going to make sure as well that as we're operating in what we're strong in, that we don't point out or pick at what the other one is weak in. Now, if you want to, if you want to grab a hold and become strong in these areas and I can help you, I'm going to do that. And then vice versa. Or if we find out, if we find out what works best for the marriage, if work, what works best for this business, this partnership, what works best for it is for me to do this and you to do that. Then if that's what works for us, then that's what we have to do. I want to encourage some marriage couples, stop trying to do what doesn't work for you. You have to find what works for your marriage, what works for your company, your partnership. What works best for you? Not saying that you can't learn from others and not saying that you can't try, try some things. But if you see, look, this I, I can't keep up with them because this isn't working. This doesn't work for us. Well, then let's find what does work for us. Let, let's not get frustrated and aggravated at what's not working and then give up. Also, what a marriage needs is the will, the uh, a will and a commitment to keep on fighting. Mm -hmm. We're going to keep on working at this. It's amazing that the commitment that we will put into some other things, but yet when it comes to marriage and I'm just saying that, you know, the world as a whole, we give up in certain areas and we say, I'm not, I'm not committed to that. I'm tired. And everyone gets tired. We have to learn how to, how to get refreshed. How to refresh, how to regroup. So these, these are some things. So once again, going back to when people, you know, come to me and say, will you marry us? And I, and I ask them that important question, why you want to marry this person? And they say, because I love them. And then I start asking, you know, what do you love about this person? Why do you love them? And all these different things. What I try to get them to understand, too, and start the conversation of what is it that we really have here? What is it that we really want here? What are we trying to accomplish here? Do I love is it, do I just have surface love? So so that's why I want to break down all those different loves, because sometimes people sometimes my love is just so, so surface. It's no depth to it or it's conditional. I love as long as I get this. As long as I feel this way, I'm good. But what happens when that feeling is gone? You know, you know, I think about um, what I should have shared is that, of course, everybody remember the song that, you know, the famous Tina Turner performed years ago um, called What's Love Got to Do With It? You know, she said, you know, um, reading some of the words, some of the lyrics, listen to the lyrics say, you must understand, though the touch of your hand makes my pulse react, that it's only the thrill of boy meeting girl opposite a track is physical only logical you must try to ignore that it means more than that oh oh what love got to do got to do with it what's love but a second hand emotion what's love got to do got to do with it who needs a heart when a heart can be broken man it's amazing that um you know reading those lyrics and, and, you know, thinking about that, 
I really understand those words, but I think those words really come into play when you're dealing with someone that doesn't get past romantic love, someone that doesn't go past that surface love, someone that doesn't practice unconditional love. Because understand this, in love, hearts are going to be broken. That's a part of it. Your feelings going to be hurt. Some stuff going to get on your nerves. But when you have a commitment, don't think that let's go back to the business. Don't think that business partners don't fall out with one another, that they don't have disagreements with one another, that sometimes some things don't transpire, that they say, you know what? I want to make that move for the company. Well, I didn't want to go in that direction or whatever. Or you tried this and it didn't work. But they're so committed on that business plan. They're so committed on, on that partnership, on that company, protecting that brand, protecting that name. They're so committed to that. They're willing to let's try it again. Let's 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 pick it up. Yeah, I'm, I'm mad now. My feelings are hurt, whatever. But I'm going to get past this and we're going to get back to a good place where we're winning. Because the goal is to them, that goal is for the company to win because the company win, they win. Their goal is for that, that company, that business to make money because if it makes money, they make money. So in the marriage, we say our goal is for this the marriage to win because when the marriage win, we win. For this marriage to be successful because when it's successful, we are. For it to be healthy because when it's healthy, we are. So that's why that's why we fight so hard and work so hard for it. Because we know the benefits of it. Marriage take work. Stop thinking that you're going to go into marriage and not have to work. It's going to it's going to take a physical commitment, a mental commitment, an emotional commitment. It's going to take a fight at times. But like I love to say, anything worth having is going to take a fight. Anything worth having is going to be hard to come by. There's a fight to get it. And then there's a fight to keep it. Maybe I should end there. There's a fight to get it. And then there's a fight to keep it. So once again. Dealing with the question that came up that I asked, does love alone make a marriage work? No, love alone doesn't make a marriage work. Because first you have to examine what type of love is involved. Because there are many different levels or different types of love. And if you're basing everything off of just romantic love, that's not going to work. That's not going to last because that comes and goes, that fades. When it comes to love, you have to have passionate love. You have to have enduring love. You have to have playful love. You have to have unconditional love. You have to have that deep friendship love. You have to have self-love. And you have to have a familiar love. And then outside, once, once you've established the love aspect of it, you also have to have a, a mindset to work, a mindset to be a student as well as a teacher. To listen more than you talk, to have understanding, to have compassion, to have commitment, to understand that there is a business side to it, that it is a business. Mm -hmm. It is. It's a partnership, a lifelong partnership. You have to be willing to protect the brand, protect the name. You have to be willing to protect one another. Not just physically, but mentally, emotionally, spiritually. Financially. Mm -hmm. You have to be willing to work hard, to do what it takes to really get what it is that you want. A lot of people say, oh, I want to have, you know, I want to have this loving, caring, strong marriage. I want to, you know, grow old together and everything. Well, you got to work for that because watch this growing old together. 
takes a commitment. It takes work and it takes a plan. You have to have a plan to grow old together. It's a reward. Growing old together in a happy marriage is, is, is it's a gift. It doesn't come automatically. To enjoy that part of life that you see some of these couples that you say, man, they've been married 50, 60 years and just look how blessed they are, how happy they are together, how how much they love each other, how they've grown to this place, how they have this understanding for one another. It takes hard work to get there. It takes planning to get there. It takes a commitment to get there. It takes a decision to do this. And have a mindset to do this every single day. So when you get there, you say, this is the reward. So what reward are you working towards? So that's my spiel. That's my spiel today on, on, on that subject matter. I just had to address that, that thing that was put out because the thing that was put out, like I said, I, I'm waiting for someone to, um, to let me know, because that quote that they said, Dr. Miles Monroe, um, I, I didn't see it exactly like that. I think someone just took a lot of um, his different quotes and teaches and stuff and just kind of compiled it and came up, you know, put it in their own words, which kind of takes away from some of the context. You know, um, if you read, heard me bring it out from the top, if you know it is a direct quote from him, maybe you have it. Hey, let me know. Email me. TPP two podcast at gmail.com. Once again, two PP. Um, two. I'm sorry. TPP the number two podcast at gmail.com. Send me an email. Let me know, and let me also know your comments on this. Um, your opinion on this. Also, if you have a subject matter that you would like for us to address, let me know. Send me an email. TPP the number two podcast at gmail.com. Once again, thank you everyone for joining in with us. We're so glad that you took this time. Um, thank you so much to everyone um, that watches this, um, checks out the podcast on our Facebook um, live page, which is the Practical Preacher. And everyone, big shout out and thank you to those that are taking time to listen to this and download it. You all that are on Amazon Music, I see you. I see the report. Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Radio Public, and Spotify. We are on all those outlets where you can get these episodes. Please download them. Please subscribe. We would love to get feedback from you. And we just want you to share this. Share this with others. If you feel like this information is valuable to someone, share with someone. Don't just sit on the information because we're trying to help someone. All right. Thank you all so much. Once again, keep on downloading. Keep on sharing this. Let everybody know we are available on all of those outlets. We want you to enjoy the rest of your day and stay tuned. Stay on the lookout. Um, for more episodes of The Practical Preacher, we're always coming with some exciting topics. We also have some shows coming up where we're going to have some other guests actually come in and chime in um, because we love to also hear other people's inputs and other people's experiences about many of the subjects that we address. OK, so once again, thank you all so much for taking the time to tune in to The Practical Preacher podcast. We want you to stay tuned. Keep on downloading. Thank you so much. You all that's on those outlets, Amazon Music, Stick to Radio Public, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. Keep on downloading these episodes. Tell someone else about it. Share it. You all that's on the Facebook Live, share it. Invite somebody to watch these podcasts. Like and share the video. Thank you so much. You all take care. And until um, the next podcast, 
We'll see you then. Take care.